John chapter number 20. The candy rain will not start until 15 minutes after we dismiss in the sanctuary. And so you don't have to be in a hurry. But uh, once we dismiss, then uh, you'll have 15 minutes to get your children wherever they are. And the candy rain will begin after that. John chapter number 20. If you found it, say amen. amen. Verse number 11 through verse number 16. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And see had two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, Because... They have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. She saith unto, Jesus rather, saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She Supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, or if you have carried him away, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. If you've moved him, tell me where he is, and I will take him. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master. I want to draw your attention to verse number 15. She's talking to Jesus, but she doesn't know it's him. She's supposing him to be the gardener. The tender of the cemetery sir if you've moved him tell me where you have laid him and I will take him I want to preach to you this morning from that phrase that Mary answered I will take him I will take him Lord I thank you for every soul that's here this morning God, for everyone that's gathered in this sanctuary, everyone that's watching online, all of our children that are in their designated locations, I thank you, God, that we've come together to worship you. God, that this great and beautiful congregation of people have come to your house to reverence and to honor your death and your burial and your resurrection. And God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would help me to preach your word I ask you, God, to somehow, some way, let something that I might say under your anointing touch somebody's ears and engage in their spirit and mind. I pray for your will and your work to be done. And we thank you, God, again, for the cross, for the blood. Because you died for our sins and you were buried, but you didn't stay in the grave. You resurrected with power of life. And Lord, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 
Give the Lord a good praise this morning. And you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. In the New Testament, there are three specific words that refer to miracles. One of them is the word power. The Bible said that he did, that there was power, and that is the Greek word dynamis. And it means a mighty deed, something that only God could do. Then the Bible talks about signs. It is the Greek word simeon, which means or refers to a miracle. It represents something such as the kingdom of God. It's something that only God can do, a power or a sign. And then the Greek word teres means a wonder. It indicates something that's extraordinary, something that only God can do. I will tell you this morning without any reservation that Jesus was a miracle man. Amen. Amen. He was a miracle worker. He did 36 specifically mentioned miracles between his birth and the cross. Notably, his first miracle was in John chapter number 2 where he turned water into wine. Then, just a couple of verse, chapters later, he healed a nobleman's son. And the Bible said this was his second miracle. From there, he cast a devil out of a man in the city of Capernaum. And then, maybe his most unpopular miracle, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Bible said after that he healed many sick and oppressed. It does not give a specific number. And so with this one miracle, it could mean that there were many, many who were healed. Another time he filled the disciples' nets with fish. He healed a man of leprosy. He healed a Roman soldier's paralyzed servant and another man's withered hand. He raised the widow's son from the dead and then he calmed the stormy sea. In a cemetery, he cast out a legion of demons from a man and healed a woman at another time with an issue of blood. He brought Jairus' young daughter back to life, healed two blind men, healed a man who was unable to speak, healed a crippled man at the pool of Bethesda, he fed 5,000 plus women and children. Every time he broke the bread and it multiplied, it was another miracle. Thousands in one day. Jesus delivered a Syrophoenician woman's daughter who had been possessed by a devil. He healed a deaf and mute man. Another time he fed 4,000 plus women and children. He healed a blind man at Bethsaida. He healed another man who was born blind with spit and mud. He delivered a boy who had an unclean spirit. He put money in a fish's mouth so they could pay their tribute. He healed a man who had a devil. He healed a woman who had been crippled for 18 years. He healed another man suffering 
with a debilitating disease and then healed 10 lepers of a still incurable disease. He raised Lazarus from the dead after he had been entombed for four days. He restored blind Bartimaeus's sight. He made a fig tree to wither and he healed a servant's ear. Add to that his virgin birth and his resurrection. And the Bible records over 40 specific miracles in the life of Jesus. Not only that, but the thousands that he touched and fed. Supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles. All those that I mentioned are just barely scratching the surface of what Jesus can do. The Bible said if all his works were contained in books, that all the libraries of the world wouldn't be able to hold the books that contain his works. Every time the world rotates, it's another miracle that Jesus done. Every time he allows me to breathe, I should write it down as another miracle. Jesus is a miracle worker. Amen. I don't know if you noticed the change in terminology, but when I started the sermon, I said Jesus was a miracle man. But I purposely said now Jesus is a miracle man. When he shows up, miracles happen. I said when he shows up, miracles happen. I walked into an ICU just a few days ago where the doctor said there was almost no hope. And then with just, within just a few hours of praying, God had moved and touched and raised this lady up because Jesus is a miracle man. He still works miracles. Do I have anybody here that you know it was God that touched you? Amen. That you know that God showed up when there was no hope and he made a way where there was no way. I'm talking present tense because he's still alive. Jesus is a miracle worker. When he shows up, the supernatural happens. Thank God. In John chapter number 11 and verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. In the next verse, Mary, her sister, said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. They both knew that it was the presence of Jesus Christ that can make all the difference in the world. When he shows up, his presence brings power. His presence brings the ability for the supernatural to happen. When Jesus shows up, anything is possible. When Jesus shows up, everything is possible. Amen. It's his presence, and I'll tell you, if his presence will move in this room tonight, if his presence will move in this room right now, somebody could walk out with their life completely changed and turned around. He is a miracle man. Hallelujah. They knew that his presence brought power. Oh, God. I love it when the presence of Jesus Christ moves in this house. Because all things are possible. Jesus, I know it's an old, it's an old Pentecostal song we used to sing back in, 
It was probably the 80s, Brother Wilson. Oh, Lord. I just realized how old I'm getting. But they used to sing. Sister Celeste Caples used to sing, Jesus is a miracle man. People are drawn to miracles. Amen. That's why he did them. There was a group of people who followed Jesus around, not because they loved him, but they loved his miracles. One day Jesus and the disciples moved to a different location during the night. In the middle of the night, he told his disciples, let's go. And they moved to a completely different location. And the group of people that had followed him for the miracles, when they got up in the morning, they saw that he wasn't there. And they started looking for him. They went trying to find him. And when they found him, they asked him, Master, why did you leave in the middle of the night? And in John 6, 26, he answered them. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. He said, you don't really want what I can do in the supernatural. You don't really want the truth of who I am. You follow me for the loaves and the fish. You follow me so you can get a blessing. You want the free meal that comes with hanging around me. He told them to not follow him for the temporary things, the bread and the fish, but follow me for the eternal things. Because we all know that very soon after that, Jesus was arrested and beaten, crucified, and buried. It was after his burial that our text that we read this morning takes place. It was after the cross, after he hung his head and died, and the soldiers removed him from that rugged tree. They placed him in a borrowed tomb. And then it was in this tomb, this borrowed tomb, that the text takes place. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb of Jesus Christ. This particular Mary is mentioned in the Bible 14 times. Some historians claimed that she had been a prostitute before Jesus found her. But the Bible doesn't say that. That's just speculation. But the Bible did say she was a sinner. The Bible never says who her parents are. There's no statement about how old of a lady she may be. What we do know is they called her Mary Magdalene because she was from the Israeli city of Magdala and had been possessed with seven demons when Jesus found her. When people looked at her in her mess, when they looked at her, when she was all messed up by the devil. She was a wild, crazy acting. They thought a lunatic. When Jesus saw her, he didn't see her according to what the devil had done to her. He didn't view her as a wild, crazy lunatic. When he looked at her, he saw inside of her a future woman of God that would follow him when no one else would follow him. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't look at us after our worst moment and our worst day? Aren't you glad that he doesn't look at you when your life is all messed up and say, no, I want nothing to do with that person. 
But when he looks at you, he sees not what you are, but what you can be, what you could be, and what you will be when the power of God gets into your life. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I got a, I got a preacher friend that, uh, that we were having a conference a couple of weeks ago, and his, his topic that he was teaching on was about, was about staying to the Bible, just stay in the Bible, just stay in the Scripture. And, uh, and, and, he, sat, and he, he pounded that home, and then, and then before he was done, he said, well, let me, let me get on my pet peeve for a minute. And so I teased him a little bit about talking about staying in the Scripture and then getting on his pet peeve. But let me get on my pet peeve for a minute. I get bothered when I see people that have the Holy Ghost. That look at people who have problems and trouble. And don't have mercy on them. It's, I'm just preaching my own pet peeve. When they looked at Mary, they thought there's that crazy woman that has all those demons inside of her. But when Jesus looked at her, he looked at her with mercy and grace and love and compassion. Can I tell you? That the reason Christianity is declining in America is because Christians look at people with problems, with judgment instead of mercy. God help us. God help us to remember that that cross was not about the perfect that had it all together. That cross was about people like Mary that needed a Savior. Hallelujah. You don't have to say amen. That's just me. I, I'm, I'm preaching my pet peeve. When he looked at Mary, even when she had her seven devils, he looked at her with love and compassion and long-suffering because he knew that underneath all of that mess and after underneath all of that torment, there was somebody that was one day going to worship him and love him and be faithful to him and serve him. Amen. Somewhere out there, hopefully they're watching right now. Maybe they're coming off a high from last night. Maybe they're hung over from their party last night, but they've tuned in for just a moment. I want to tell you, we don't judge you by what you are. We know God's got something for you. There's a new life. There's a new hope because of this weekend, because of the cross. Anybody who has ever needed the blood ought to just wave your hand and say, thank you for the cross. Thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. She was miraculously delivered from her bondage. Delivered from her sin. And from that moment, she began to follow Jesus. As you read the story of the arrest and crucifixion of Christ, what you will find is that the disciples fled scared for their lives. They ran. One of them cursed three times to different people just so they wouldn't think he knew Jesus. He was so afraid for his own life. But while they were running, Mary followed him. When all the others that had been healed throughout his ministry were not there, she was in the trial hall. When the men scattered, she was at the cross. She was the last to leave him. And biblically, as far as we know, the first one to the tomb. She walked up to the tomb and saw the stone had been rolled away. 
she ran and told the disciples. Her report to the disciples was why Peter and John went running to the tomb. They ran to the tomb. They looked inside and saw that he was not there. And they left and ran back to tell the other disciples. But when they ran back, Mary stayed at the tomb. Verse 11 of John 20, but Mary stood without. After they ran back, Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked through the hole in the tomb into the sepulcher, into the tomb. She looked again into the tomb. And when she looked again, there were two angels. Sometimes, if you've been disappointed, you need to look again. Sometimes, when you've been searching for God and you don't find Him, you need to look again. Sometimes, when you feel like religion has let you down, you need to look again. Sometimes, when you feel like you've run out of hope, you need to look again. Thank God she stooped down and she looked again. And she saw inside the tomb what were two angels that she thought were just two regular mortal men. And in verse 13 of John 20, I'm sorry, it's a little bit of a Bible study style, but that's okay. John 20 and 13. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Why are you crying? See, she, she saith unto them, Because... They have taken away my Lord. I came here looking for the body of Jesus and he's not here. They've taken away. And I know not where they have laid him. I came just to be close to him. Other people ran away and hid scared. Other people didn't want to be identified with him. But I came this morning because I can't stand to be away from him. And he's moved that I don't know where he is. I don't know where they've laid him. And she turned and saw a man. She thought it was the gardener. It was actually the resurrected Jesus. In verse 15, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? kind of interesting you would expect people to be weeping in a cemetery twice she got asked why she was weeping whom seekest thou who are you looking for she supposing him to be the gardener saith unto him sir if thou have borne him hence if you've carried him somewhere else tell me where you have laid him and I will take him Tell me where he is. Tell me where his body is. I know he's been beaten. I know he had the crown of thorns pressed into his brow. I know he's got nail scars in his hands and his feet. I know that he's got a spear wound in his side. I know he is a bloody mess. I know when they took the cat of nine tails, they ripped the flesh off of his back. I realize that his body is a bloody mess, wounded. I know he's not alive anymore. 
But if you'll just tell me where he is, I will take him. You have to understand, if you really really want to understand this passage, you have to understand her mindset. She doesn't know he's resurrected. She doesn't know he's come back to life. She doesn't know, in her mind, he's still dead. He can't move. He can't speak. He can't heal anymore. In her mind, he can't do any more miracles, no more signs, no more wonders. His body is dead. It's lifeless. He can't do anything else for her. There's no more bread and fish. There's no more walking on the water. There's no more healing the blind eyes. There's no more bread of life. In her mind, there's no more healing the sick. There's no more casting out devils. In her mind, he's just a dead, lifeless body. He's never going to touch her life again. He's never going to provide anything For her again, he's dead, unable to move. But when others left him, she stayed with him. And she begged the gardener, tell me where he is and I will take him. He doesn't have to do anything else for me again. He doesn't have to touch me one more time. He doesn't have to give me bread and fish anymore. If he never heals me, never touches me, never talks to me, if he can never do anything else for me, I know he's dead, but I'll take him even if he never does anything else for me for the rest of my life. He's done enough. He's already done enough. When he cast the devil out of me, he did enough. When he died on the cross and shed his blood and it ran down that tree and it and it puddled on the ground underneath him. When he died, he did enough for me to love him for the rest of my life. I'll take him. He's already done enough for me. He's already done enough for me. But I'll take him. Her commitment to his body wasn't based on what he could do for her anymore. Her commitment to his body was based on her love for him. Mary wanted Jesus, even if he couldn't heal her again. Oh, Lord. She wanted Jesus, even if he could never bless her again. Even if he would never work another miracle, I'll take him. Not for what he can do for me from now on, but I'll take him just because I love him. What he did on that Friday on that cross when the nails pierced his hands and his feet and he looked out across the landscape of eternity and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He did enough on Friday that today I'll take him if he never does anything for me again. I'd come to church if I could get a miracle. No, I'll take him even if I don't get a miracle. I'll serve him if he'll bless me. No, I'll serve him even if he don't bless me. I'll take him if he touches me. No, no, I'll take him if he never touches me again. He did enough on that Friday on a cross that I'll take him even if he never moves again. 
I'll take him. That's the problem when we serve him based on our emotions. Is when we don't feel the emotions, we, get, we start to drift. And we lose our relationship with him. Because we don't have Mary's commitment. I'll take him if he never moves again. Just tell me where he is. And I will take him based on what he's already done for me. And just because I love him. I'll come to church tonight. And even if I don't feel him, I'll raise my hands. Because I'll take him. I'll come and say amen even if I don't feel anything because it's not based on what he can do for me for the rest of my life. Now it's based on the fact that he's already done enough that I'll take him. I'll take him when others reject him. I'll take him if my family walks away from him. I'll take him if my friends want nothing to do with him. I'll take him if people make fun of me and laugh at me about it. I'll take him because he did enough on that cross already. He don't have to do anything else for me. For me to want him, I'll take him. Oh, Lord. Why don't we just lift our hands to him? If, you, if you'll take him, if he never does anything else, why don't you just lift? The Bible said, I will lift up my hands in the sanctuary and I will bless the Lord. I don't know why he likes it, but it blesses him. I guess it's just the fact that we take a moment to do something that we might be uncomfortable doing. And giving it to him, I'll take him. Lord, you don't have to touch me. I don't have to feel anything. I don't have to get emotional again. I will take him. Based on what he's already done for me, I'll take him. Oh, Jesus, Lord, help me right now. I wish somebody would pray for me. You don't know how stressful it is preaching to this many people and feeling like you have to give them what God has. Somebody's eternity is in the balance today. Somebody needs to make the decision, I'll take him. I'll take him over my addiction. I'll take him over my sin. I'll take him over my chosen lifestyle. I'll take Jesus over everything. That's what I'll do. I'll take him. If he, never has, if he never does anything else for me, he's done enough already. I choose him. If he never walks again, if he never talks again, if he never touches me, she said, just tell me where you've laid him. Just tell me where he is, and I will take him. Amen. Why don't you reach over and pray for somebody close to you? I feel the presence of the Lord here. Somebody... Somebody's having that moment in your, in your heart where you realize, I need Jesus. I need something. I need something. I got, I got four more pages of sermon, but I don't have to preach it. Because if you need Jesus, this whole service is, is not about, it's not about me and it's not about program. It's about the fact that he died. I will take him. Here's the good news. Is that he did resurrect and he is alive and he can still heal. And he can still deliver and he can still set free and he does still bless. Thank God. 
Thank God. But I will take him. This is, this is Passover season. Passover was a few days ago on the Jewish calendar. Jesus was killed at Passover. Passover is marked from the very moment. Passover is the holiday that celebrated when Israel was delivered from bondage, from slavery in Egypt. It's called Passover literally because the Lord told him, take the blood of the lamb and apply it to the door of your house. And the, the angel of the Lord will pass over Egypt. And where he sees the blood, he said, I will pass over you. It literally means he would pass over. And everywhere where there was no blood on the house, death visited that house. And so they've celebrated Passover ever since the day they were, they were delivered from the nation of Egypt. Thousands and thousands of years ago in the time of Moses in the book of Exodus. They've celebrated every year. It became a perpetual a perpetual holiday for them. And so they have celebrated what is called a Passover Seder. A Passover Seder is a meal that has six items on a plate. Each one of those items represents something having to do with their deliverance. But the, the key item is what they call matzos. It is unleavened bread. It is, they take three cakes of unleavened bread and they lay it on the table. I started to say that if that falls over, we know that I've run out of my anointing. But I didn't want to say that because there's a good chance I'll knock it over. And then They would stack these three pieces of bread. According to a resource that I read recently, it said that the bottom, the bottom, I guess I'll call it a loaf, the bottom piece of bread, represented the earth, the earthly, the temporal, the natural. And the top piece represented heavens, the divine, the heavenly things, the supernatural. And in the middle, the middle piece of bread is the connection between heaven and the earth, the natural and the spiritual. And when they do the Passover Seder, they take the middle piece of bread and they take it and they break it. They take the larger piece. When they break it, the larger piece, they have a, they put it in a white, they have all kinds of fancy bags. You can buy them on the internet. I won't do any advertising if I don't. They put it in a, in a white bag. That piece, the larger piece that's broken and put in the bag is called the afikomen. The afikomen. It's wrapped, placed in the bag and hidden. Now, with modern homes, they take the afikomen and they hide it somewhere inside the house and their children have to go find it. When they find the afikomen, whoever finds the afikomen gets a prize, it's redeemed. They give the owner of the house the piece of bread and it is redeemed by some kind of a present or gift of some sort. That's how it is in homes now. But in ancient days when they lived in tents, 
and whole families, large families, lived in tents. There would be no place for them to hide the bread without the children seeing where it's hidden. And so sometimes they would take the Afiko men out and to hide it, they would nail it to a tree. I need a tree. Brother Austin, you make a good tree. I couldn't nail it to you, but we don't want to do that. Not on camera where it's evidence. They would nail that, that, that bag with the bread inside of it. That bread that connects heaven and earth. That bread that bridges the gap between heaven and earth, supernatural and natural. And they would take the Afiko men and they would nail it to a tree and then the children would go and look around the property until they would find the bread on the tree. And when they found the hidden bread, they would find that there was a gift, a prize that came along with it. And it's all representative of something that is so powerful because Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus to his disciples in the Last Supper, he gave them bread and he said, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. That bread is going to be nailed to a tree. It's going to be nailed to a tree and then it's going to be hidden. But whoever finds the hidden bread is going to find life. Hallelujah. It's the Afiko men and for, for centuries, Jewish children at Passover have gone to find the hidden bread. My brothers and sisters, may I tell you this morning that you don't need to go look around for it because there was a man named Jesus who was the bread sent down from heaven. He was the one that connected heaven and earth. And he was broken for the sins of mankind. But not only was he broken, but he was hidden in a tomb. But on the third day, the bread came out with a gift for everybody. And that gift is called the gift of the Holy Ghost, the presence of Jesus Christ inside. I've just come to tell, I'll take him. I'll take him. Give me that bread. Give me that bread. Because when I find that bread, I found everything. When I found that bread, I found life. When I found that bread, I found hope. When I found that bread, I found everything that I need through Jesus Christ. I've just come to say this morning, I'll take him. I'll take him. Give him to me. I want Jesus. I want him more than I want everything in this world. I want him more than I want wealth and fame and fortune. I want him more than I want my addiction. I want him more than I want anything. I will take him. As you stand with me this morning, on that first morning, Bishop, on that first morning of the resurrection, Mary,
that the Bible called a sinner that had seven demons cast out of her by Jesus and followed him. Went to the tomb and she couldn't find the bread. Where? Where is he? Where have you laid him? She looked in, didn't see him, ran and told the disciples, he's not here, he's, he, he's not in the tomb anymore. They run, they look, they leave, and she looks a second time. I can't find the bread that was broken and nailed to the tree on Friday. I can't, where, where, tell me where you've laid him. If I can find him, that's all I need if I can find him. Tell me where you've laid him and I will take him and Jesus appears why weepest thou they've taken my master I can't find him the bread that was broken on the cross on the tree I can't find it and just like that he reveals himself to her And he says, you found him. You found the bread. You found what you've been looking for. You found everything that you've always really searched for in life. When you found the bread that was broken, I will take him. As your eyes are closed all over this place, just a few moments, we're going to move on going to close. We're going to have candy rain. We're going to get all caught up in the excitement of all that. But for just a moment, why don't we close our eyes and with our eyes closed, look again. I will take him. I wonder if there's anybody here. Saint or sinner. You may have been here your whole life. It may be your very first time here. But somewhere in the course of this service and in the course of this message, something touched your heart. And somewhere in your spirit, you said, I'll take him. I'll take Jesus. He did enough for me on the cross that I'll take him. If at any point during this service there's been that pull at your heart, take me. Take Jesus. I want you to step out from where you are. There's plenty of room. We'll press as close as we need to. They call him the bread of life. Not the bread of death. The bread of life. Because in him, there is life. Come on, you you can come. We're we're not going to do anything to you. Other than pray that the power of God begins to move here in a mighty way. I, I'll take him. 
he never touches me again, I'll take him. Come on, come quick. We gotta, we, we, God's getting ready to do something here. I need some intercessors that know how to pray to begin talking to God right now. Lord, I'll take you. I'll take your cross. Lord, I'll take everything that you mean to my family. You're the bread. When I found you, I found it all. Oh, come on. Let's pray all over this place. Somebody in this house ought to be baptized in Jesus' name this morning. Right where you are all over this place, can we take a moment and can we repent for our sins? That's one of the ways that we take him. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins that I've committed. I'm sorry, God, when I've let other things interrupt my life, take my focus off of you. God, I'll ask you right now, I know, God, that at times I've taken other things, but God, now I'm taking you. Amen. You can look around, maybe lay your hand on the shoulder of somebody that's praying. And just ask God to move in this place today. As the, as, as the music team is starting to sing right now, I wonder if somebody will help me pray and say, I'll take you. Jesus, I'll take you. I'll take you over my stuff, over my life, over the things that I put in front of you. You did enough at the cross. You did enough at the tomb. You did enough already, God. I, I'll take you. Oh, yes, that's right. It's a good time to pray. Lord, I choose you. I just want to see God, I choose you this morning. Your feet. I'm caught up in this home. This is, this is the time to take him. Lord, I choose you. I choose you for my life. I choose you for my family. I choose you, God. I choose your grace. I'll take you, Lord.
longer can we seek Him? Can we push aside everything? Push aside our agenda, push aside everything. But we trust for you. Nothing else, nothing else. Son and Holy Ghost over you, or, or you never have been baptized. You need to be baptized according to the Bible way, which is in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And I plead with you today, if you'll get baptized today in Jesus' name, God will wash away every sin and His blood, His precious blood will be applied to your life today. Amen. Amen. If you want to be baptized, uh, find somebody close to you. Find whoever you went to church with. We'll get you baptized. We got we got ministers ready to baptize you. We got clothes for you. We got you taken care of. Amen. Amen. Candy rain is just about to happen. Candy rain. Give us about 10 more minutes. Give us about 10 more minutes. Go find your kids. And make sure you meet us out in the front porch. Again, be free at 5 o'clock church at 6.30 tonight. We're going to have revival. You don't want to miss it. You may be dismissed in Jesus' name.